Uh, well, I want to get into my message, all right? Uh, I, I'll tell you, we're doing Christmas at the movies. And so Jess and I, we talk about a lot of church stuff at home. That might surprise you, but we do. Um, and, and, you know, I had done a series like this a few years ago, and this is the first time we've done something like this at Family Life. And Jess said to me, she goes, I'm a little nervous about it. And I said, okay, what's, what's the problem? She goes, well, you don't know how people are going to respond when you start showing movies in church. But thankfully, Pastor Mike did not get any hate mail this week, right? We're, we're all good. Uh, just as a, a reminder, if you ever get upset about anything that I do, please feel free to email me at pastormike at myfamilylife.church. All right, that is, I love those emails. You can send all of them to that email address. That is amazing. If you need to give your two cents. Um, but we're, you know, great feedback from people last week, just trying to use this as an opportunity to connect what we celebrate at Christmas into what God is doing in our lives. And that's what this is about. It's not about showing films. It's not about being culturally clicky or any of those things, but there are things that we watch in our Christmas movies that are, are warm and fuzzy to us because we celebrate different parts of what they represent Last week, we took a look at the Santa Claus and how Scott Calvin went through this transformation of being a selfish guy all the way to the identity as the one who is the giver, and people are counting on me. Well, this week, we're going to do a one of, another one of my favorite movies, and I get to pick because I'm the pastor, but here is my, my, one of my favorite Christmas movies. It is, how did you guys know? Oh, it's in the notes. I feel blood ripped off. We are doing the movie Elf. How many of you have ever seen the movie Elf before? Yes, you're all saved. Praise the Lord. That's good. Um, Elf, if you have not seen the movie before, just to give you a little bit of background, Elf is about a little boy, okay? He, when he's a baby, he's growing up in an orphanage. Santa goes to visit the orphanage, and while Santa is busy, the little baby crawls into Santa's bag. Santa goes back to the North Pole, and they find this little baby, and they name him Buddy, and he is raised as an elf, even though he is a human. And there are some comical things that he experiences being a human in an elf world. I'll let you find that out for yourself. Don't want to use any potty humor. But uh, some great things that he experiences. But then he kind of has an identity crisis where he wants to go to the human world because that's who he is. He's a human. And so he goes and he begins to try to find his family and his dad. And he ends up in a, uh, an, apartment st- an apartment store? No department store like it is you can't buy apartments there that doesn't sound right we don't have them anymore right so what, what is that a department store he ends up there and has this encounter where he finds out that santa is actually coming to town and i want you to see how excited he gets
Etch-a-Sketch skills on that level. I would love to meet you. That's a, I literally remember being a kid. Anybody ever play with an Etch-a-Sketch? Like, they're like, try to write your name. <laughs> nope, can't do it. <laughs> but here we have Buddy the Elf, right? And he's so excited. Why? Because he finds out Santa's coming. Now, everybody else in the store is just like, okay, yeah, Santa's coming. But here's a big game changer for Buddy the Elf. Do you know why he's so excited? And he tells him right then and there, I know him. I know him. And listen, there's a big difference here because to everybody else there, Santa is just an idea, a character, a figure, a myth, whatever they are. But Buddy is coming from the place of like, no, I actually know him. And if Santa's coming, that excites me. I am so excited about that. But then there's another part of this that comes into his thinking. If Santa's coming, there is so much to do. And, and think about how this just relates to our idea and our understanding, our relationship with God, with Jesus. You know, for a lot of people, the idea of God is simply that. It's kind of along the same lines as Santa. Mythical person, you know, a great idea, a character, a good thing, makes us feel warm and fuzzy. But they don't have that actual relationship with God to where they can say, I know him. I know him. And think about how differently people who can say, I know Jesus, how it changes their lives and changes their priorities and the things that they do and the places they go. And, and then on the other side of this, how it so quickens to them this reality, there's so much to do. There's so much to do. I want to ask you to do something with me for just a second. Will you close your eyes? All right, close your eyes. Here's what I want you to picture. You're sitting around this afternoon, you watched a few games, and at 6.47 p.m., Jesus returns. Tonight. Now, I want you to think to yourself, if you knew that Jesus was coming back tonight at 6.47 p.m., what is it that you need to do before he comes? Who is it that you need to talk to? phone call do you need to make? What thing do you need to make right? What person do you need to reach out to? I want you to think about that and picture that for a second. Now I want you to open your eyes. There's so much to do. There's so much to do. You ever have one of those days where you're just like, I'm ready for Jesus to come back? You ever have a moment like that? Yesterday I went down into my basement and my oil tank was like about to fall on the ground because somehow the legs to my oil tank rotted away over the past hundred years. I don't know how that could happen. But I'm like, oh great, here's what I'm working on today. I gotta fix this. And I was a little salty about it, okay? I'm not perfect. And I'm like, you know, I just, some days I wish Jesus would just come back. Can I tell you what a selfish statement to make? Because yes, I'll be honest with you, I'm ready for Jesus to come back. Here's the reality. I have neighbors who are not ready for Jesus to come back. I have family members who are not ready for Jesus to come back. I have coworkers. No, never, never mind. <laughs> that I won't say by name. Listen, isn't this the reality of the tension that we live with? Is that we think there's time. This won't happen in my lifetime. This won't happen today. 
I don't want to make things weird. I don't want to make it awkward. But Buddy gets this thing. If Santa's coming, there's a lot to do. And the reality is, if we were to grab a hold of it in our hearts, if Jesus is coming back, there's a whole lot to do before he comes back. And I want to read this for you in 1 Corinthians 7, because Paul writes about this to the Corinthian church. And he says, you've got to understand, the time is short. And, and I know whenever I bring this up to people, people are like, well, okay, that book was written roughly 1960 years ago, and Jesus still didn't come back. I'd like to tell you about how linear timelines work. If you go all the way back to this point in which they're saying the time is short and fast forward to all the way to where we are now, the time is shorter. Does that make sense? The time is shorter because if you're paying attention to what you read in scripture about the last days or the end times as the Bible describes it, it seems like it's daily headlines. The time is short. So let's read what he says in 1 Corinthians 7, 29 to 32. He says, let me say this, dear brothers and sisters. The time that remains is very short. So from now on, those with wives should not focus only on their marriage. Those who weep or who rejoice or who buy things should not be absorbed by their weeping or their joy or their possessions. Those who use the things of the world should not become attached to them, for this world as we know it will soon pass away. I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. He's speaking to them from this place of, you guys are so wrapped up in this world that you're living in. And he's not prohibiting any of those things. He's not saying, if you want to follow Jesus, don't get married, don't have possessions, don't have any of those things. But he says, when those become the focal points of your life, the primary reason for your existence, it will take away, it will detract from what God wants to do and show you in your lifetime. And you'll be so fixated on those things that you'll no longer be doing what God has called you to do. You'll convince yourself there's time. But here's the reality of where we start is the same idea of what Buddy had. If he's coming, there's so much work to do before he comes. We've got to be ready. I've got to make sure my neighbors and my friends and my coworkers and my family members and my enemies are ready to meet Jesus. Because I don't want anybody to enter into eternity without that. And look at the things that he says. He's talking about marriage in this this period of, of Scripture here. But he says, listen, marriage is a fine thing. But here's the reality. In the last days, we can't solely focus on just getting married and having families and creating wealth and building homes and having all of these things. We've got to think with the sobriety of the fact that time is short and there is work to do before Jesus returns. But he gets that. And it's just in a movie about Santa Claus. How much more should we as the church understand it? But then something happens, right? Buddy finds out that Santa's coming. He builds and makes that thing all beautiful and perfect for Santa's arrival. But then somebody shows up, and believe it or not, they're not the real Santa. I want you to see how he responds to that. Santa. this year happy birthday of course <laughs> so uh how old are you son oh 
You're a big boy. What's your name? Sure. And uh, what can I oh, get you for Christmas? Don't tell him what you want. He's a liar. Let the kid talk. You disgust me. How can you live with yourself? Just cool it, Zippy. You sit on a throne of lies. Look, I'm not kidding. You're a fake. I'm a fake? Yes. How'd you like to be dead? Huh? No, he's kidding. You stink. I think you're gonna have a good Christmas, all right? You smell like beef and cheese. You don't smell like Santa. not Santa Claus. <laughs> I know some people deal with hard situations differently. I'm not suggesting that you react that way. But here's what happens, right? We've got Buddy, and, and here's where he's coming from. I know Santa Claus. I know the real deal. And when this imposter shows up, it infuriates him. How in the world could somebody pretend to be Santa Claus and sit on this throne, a throne of lies, and act like he is the man he says that he is? How could this possibly be? And Buddy is so furious over this. You know, I look at this and I think to myself, there are a lot of things in our world that we cannot stand to be fake, right? We're like, you know, I try to tell my kids all the time, like, don't call your earbuds AirPods because they're not AirPods. And I don't want your friends to be like, those aren't AirPods. Like, we don't want fake things, right? You don't have that. Or fake clothes or fake cars or all the, we, we don't like anything fake. But you know where we're totally okay with things being fake? Religion. We're totally okay with it. We'll, we'll let it slide. We'll let it go. We'll watch it. And we'll be like, oh, well, that's not a big deal. Maybe everybody's doing their own thing. Well, we'll, well, we hear things culturally like, well, all religions are the same. They're all leading to the same place. They just call God by a different name. And they're all basically the same thing. Church, I can't begin to tell you how far from the truth that is. All religions are not the same. There is one God who created the heavens and the earth who sent his son to die in your place on a cross so that you could be redeemed from the stain of sin on your life and have eternal life and relationship with God. No other religion in the world comes close to that. And then we look at this and Buddy is infuriated by the fake Santa that is standing there, this throne of lies that he sits on. How could you be such an imposter. And you know, Paul writes to Timothy and he tells them that in the end days, there are going to be a lot of imposters that rise up. There are going to be a lot of fake things, fake ideologies, fake people who rise up with a message that will make everybody else happy, but don't fall for it because it's not the real thing. And church, this is why it's so important, just like Buddy, that we have to be in the place of like, I actually know Jesus. I actually know scripture. I know these things. And what you're trying to pass off as fake is simply that it is not the real thing. And we read this in 2 Timothy 3, what his warning to Timothy about what's going to happen. And as I read this, okay, go ahead and mentally check off all of these things that I'm reading because they're happening in the world around us today. 
He says this, it's a message to Timothy, but it really applies to the whole church. It says, you should know this church, that in the last days there will be difficult times, for people will love only themselves and their money. Check. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God. Check. They will be disobedient to their parents. And ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious. They'll act religious. There's that fake. But they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Stay away from people like that. He says they're going to act the part. They're going to step into a role. They'll dress the way they're supposed to dress, look the way they're supposed to look. They'll do all the right things, check it off of the checklist. But the reality is that they won't have a relationship with Jesus' church. If you can read through Scripture, I will tell you that one of the things that terrifies me most in Scripture is Jesus' own words in which he tells the people that in the end, people will be divided like sheep and goats. And he says, and there will be people who come to me and they're going to say, but Lord, in your name, we cast out demons and prophesied and did all kinds of ministry. And he says, I'm going to have to tell them, depart from me. I never knew you. You bought into everything fake and never surrendered yourself to me. Church, can you please hear me when I tell you this? God is not church. God is not sermons. God is not worship services or worship songs. God is not scripture memorization or prayer. God is not giving. God is not serving. All of these things are great, but God himself is a being who has been in existence for all time, who loves you and created you and sustains all things. And believe it or not, he wants relationship with you. But instead, we've propped up a throne of lies on this idea of religion. I'll be religious. I'll go to church. I'll be religious. I'll do this. Religious, religious, religious. I'll be a part of all of these things. And church, there needs to be a holy disdain that rises up inside of us that says, I'm not going to be fooled by the lies that the world is selling. I'm not going to let my family members be fooled. I mean, believe he can't stand the fact that these kids are sitting there being lied to. Right? I mean, that's what's at stake here. These kids are being sold a lie. And I can't watch that happen. And he acts and he jumps into that role where he says they've got to know what the truth is. He's a fake. He's a fake. He's a fake. He's a fake. Church, somebody's got to take up that banner in which we call out the fake things of this world, what they are, and lead people back to the place of the truth in relationship with Jesus. And we look at a moment like this and we laugh and we think it's funny. It cracks us up. But the reality is that it is something that exists within our own relationship with God. Our own pursuit of God is that that tension there. That there is a very big difference between what it means to be religious and what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. Church, please don't trade the truth for a lie. And don't stand by idly while others are being lied to. 
God has called us and equipped us to be the ones who are bringing the truth into the world. Just like we talked about last week with Scott Calvin. What did he say? I've got a whole lot of kids who are depending on me. There's a whole world that's depending on me to be a seeker of truth, to obey God, and to trust Him with all my heart. But you know what happens when you do that? You become very different to the rest of the world. You know, maybe if you've noticed this or not, but if you start to voice to the rest of the world what the fake things are of the world, people start to think you're a little nuts. What's wrong with that person? Why can't they just go with the flow like the rest of us? Why can't they just do this and think this and say this and don't talk about this and leave that topic alone? Why can't they just let it go? It makes you vastly different. And this is ultimately the big part, the big picture of the story for Buddy the Elf here. As he says, I was born a human, but I was raised as an elf. And I've reached a point in time where I just don't even know who or what I am anymore. Because I'm not really either one fully. I, I'm, I'm not human but I'm not really an elf. I'm just in this middle place here where my identity is so messed up and so broken. And when he finds himself at that low point, he has an encounter with Santa that I'd like to show you that really changes everything for him. So here we have the climactic point of this movie where Buddy has struggled for the entire portion to find out who he is. Where do I belong? What's my identity? I don't really seem to fit in anywhere. I love the statement that he makes because can't we all identify with this? How could you t possibly use my help? I mess everything up. I'm a failure. I make too many mistakes. And just like God speaks to us in our own weaknesses and flaws and failures and calls us out from a place where not that we're perfect, 
but that God has a purpose and a plan for our lives that goes beyond. It transcends who we are. Because here's the, the, the phrase that he speaks to Buddy that I think if God could get a hold of us, he'd want to speak this same phrase into our lives because it, it's, it's life-giving and life-changing. And here's what it is. You are the only one. He says, you're the only one that I would want working on my sleigh tonight. You're different, but you have a purpose. And your purpose is for this time, this place, in this moment. And if you would just step into it, and I don't want to give the movie away, but Buddy saves Christmas. He saves Christmas. And we're all like, oh, what a happy ending. Buddy, who was so confused about his life and himself and his identity and where he belongs and his people, he's the one that saves Christmas. And we're so happy and just, oh, that's so wonderful feeling. The truth of that same reality is found in God's word for our lives. And, and, and can't you relate? I never get anything right. How could God use me? Does he have any clue how many mistakes I've made Does he have any clue how many times I've messed things up? How could God use me? How could God have a plan for me? This tension between who I was born to be and who I'm becoming. And that's the tension inside of us. Yeah, you were born human. But did you know that this place is not your home? You struggle through life. But this life isn't the end all be all of everything that's going to happen in your existence. If we could get a hold of the concept of eternity, the truth is the things that we struggle so much for in this brief lifetime. And yes, I say brief. If you don't believe me, go talk to somebody who's in their 80s. Let them tell you how quickly it's gone. How it just flew by like that. And here we are, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, wherever you're at right now. And the struggles against this life and everything that we're trying to do, they're the most important thing. And building up our empires and living for today and our families and our jobs and our homes and our cars and everything else. And God's trying to get a hold of us. There is so much to do. There is so much to do outside of all this other stuff. Don't be consumed by your possessions and everything else of this world. I have a purpose and a plan for you. And then finally, Peter speaks of this to the early church. Because he wants them to understand that God in you is going to make a difference. And there's going to be things about you that change drastically because of your new identity in Christ. And here's what he says in 1 Peter 4, verses 2 to 10. He says, you won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires. But you will be anxious to do the will of God. You have had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy. Their immorality and their lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties and their terrible worship of idols. Of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things that they do. So they slander you. But remember that they will have to face God who stands ready to judge everyone, both living and the dead. And that is why the good news was preached to those who are now dead. So although they were destined to die like all people, they now live forever with God in the Spirit. The end of the world is coming soon. Let me say that again. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. 
Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Use it well. You only get one life here on earth. There are moments and opportunities that you can probably even at this point in your life look back on and say, I missed my chance. We only get to do this once. Life is short. I want to live it well. And God's call on our lives is not to be consumers. Only worried about the pleasures of life, the joys of life, the comforts of life, building our own empires, a lasting legacy for our own names and the things that we're going to leave behind us. You know, if you go into Scripture, the wisest and richest man in all of Scripture was a man named Solomon. Okay? Do you want to know what he wrote about? He said... What good is it for me to work my entire life to amass a fortune? Because when I die, it's going to go to those who did nothing to earn it, and they will squander it. So whether it's the richest person or the poorest person, the reality remains the same. This life is not the only thing that we're living for. Church, I want to encourage you, just like Buddy the Elf did, to grab a hold of that reality. Jesus is coming, and there is work to be done. There's work to be done. There are people who are being sold lies. They're being given false ideas about who God is and what He represents. They're being given false ideologies about religion and how it's enough if you just believe or you just go to a church. Can I tell you something? Going to church makes you no more Christian than standing a garage makes you a car. It makes no difference. Go stand in an airplane hangar. You don't become an an airplane. Go stand in a cow pasture. You don't become a cow. You do not become a follower of Jesus simply by going to church. This is what we talked about last week in that acceptance of our identity in Christ. Not that I go to church, but that I am the church. Life is short. Time is short. There's so much to do. There are so many people being lied to. And I want you to hear this this morning because I think if God could speak this over you, He would. You're the only one. Your sphere of influence is way different than mine. And it's way different than the person sitting next to you or behind you or around you or on the other side of the room. You may be the only one who has the opportunity to show the love of Jesus to somebody in your life. You may be the only one who could show the people that you work with. The only one who could show your neighbors. The only one who could show your family members and friends. The only one who could show that stranger in Walmart. And we so often excuse, well, not me, just like Buddy, right? I don't do anything right. I'm disqualified. God can't use me. He doesn't have a plan for me. You're the one that God called. And all it takes is for us to get this burden down on our hearts, this reality. Time is short. People are lost. People are deceived. And there's work to be done. I need to do what God has called me to do. And we only accomplish that this way. There's two words. It's real easy. You you won't forget them. Know 
excuses. No excuses. You know, I started at the beginning of this sermon. I said, why don't you think about what it is that you would need to do if you knew Jesus was coming back today. But you know why we don't do those things? Because of our excuses. I've got time. It would make that relationship weird. They might not want to be friends with me anymore. My neighbor might stop talking to me. That family member might avoid me. We list everything and anything in the world why we shouldn't do it. No excuses. If Jesus was coming back tomorrow, what would we need to do? Who would we need to reach? Because the time is short and people are being lied to and you're the one, you're the one that God called for such a time as this. You pray with me. God, we thank you for your mercies to us. And I pray, God, that even in this moment as we are just gathered together and really have have had it impressed upon each of us, God, that there is a work to which we have been called, that there is a, a brief period of time, whether it be the time between now and your return or even the short time that is this lifespan. We only have so much time, God, to do what you've called us to do. And Lord, if we're being honest, there have been a lot of times that we've just lost track of how important it is. There are so many other things that jump into the, the seat and say that they're pressing and important, pressing and important. And God, we end up losing sight of you in the process. But I pray, God, that we would get such a burden within our hearts to realize time is short. People are being lied to. They're being given a false ideology of what it means to be religious. And it's costing them relationship with you. God, speak it into us. You're the one. You're the one that I've called for this. You're the one for this time and this place and this season that I've called for this. Speak that into our hearts, God. We need that from you. As we're in prayer this morning, I just want to ask you, maybe you're here today and you have in your own life maybe had more of a religious experience with God than a relational experience with God. Maybe God's been an idea or just going to church or those are the ways that you would mark. Yeah, that's how I'm, I know I'm a Christian. But you say to yourself, I want a relationship with God. I don't want to just be religious. I want a relationship with God. If that's you, I just want to ask you to slip up a hand because I want to pray with you this morning. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Quite a few hands. Quite a few hands. Yep, thank you. Or maybe you're here today and you've been in that place where you've bought the lie of time. You've bought the lie that you don't need to step into that role and that responsibility. And you're like, God, would you just impress it on my heart that time is short and there's a work to be done? Would you show that to me, God? Would you give me such a burden for lost and hurting and and people who have been lied to? Would you put that in my heart? If that's you, can I just ask you to slip up a hand? I want to pray for you as well. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Can I ask you to stand as we get ready to close together in prayer? I want to lead you in a prayer. And listen, this really is simple. And it's one of the greatest joys that I get to experience as a pastor is to lead people in what's called the sinner's prayer. Just to make this confession of faith, to say, God, I choose you over me. I'm asking for relationship over religion. And that's an awesome moment, but it's just the beginning. It doesn't end here. It's not, we say this thing and I'm good for the rest of my life. It is every day being in relationship with Jesus. 
And just like I couldn't stand at an altar nearly 20 years ago and just profess my love to my wife and then never speak to her again, we can't do that in relationship with God. We've got to choose to connect with Him. But I want to lead you in this prayer and encourage you. God wants relationship with you. The Creator of the universe wants relationship with you. So I want to ask you to pray this with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me when I have been unlovable, for reaching out to me when I didn't even know how badly I needed you. I want a relationship with you, God. I don't want religion. I want the real deal. Come into my heart and into my life in Jesus' name. And God, I pray for those who are in here who have been caught in that friction of the things of this world and that have to be accomplished and done. And I pray, God, that you just begin to speak with clarity into what your plans are, what you're speaking, what you're doing, the ways in which you are working and moving, God. Lord, I pray that you would put inside each one of us this burden for those who are hurting and lost, those who are being lied to, And realize, God, that you've given us a call for such a time as this to reach them. God, I pray that we would do so with no excuses. Holy Spirit, I pray that whatever it was or whoever it was that you put on our minds at the beginning of this message, that we would act quickly, even today, God, to take a step to be obedient to that work. Because nobody else is going to do it, Lord. You called us. And we'll do it, Lord, for your glory because we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Listen, you are not an elf. You were born a human, but you are a child of God. So go out into the world as a child of God with new purpose to live for his glory, to reach the lost and the hurting, to break every chain and every lie. Our prayer team will be up here and would love to connect with you this morning if you need prayer. If you're visiting, we'd love to meet you out in the foyer. Lord bless you. Have a wonderful day in Jesus.